Another episode of TBI Talks Tech. I'm Eric Hill, sales trainer with TBI, and along with me is Dave Polakowski, operations trainer with TBI. And today we have a very special guest. It's someone that we know well in the TBI family. And once again, we are actually back in studio in Chicago, Illinois. Wow, it's great to be live with you guys. But today's guest is none other than the senior director of training and development at TBI. It's Dave Landsberger. Dave, how's it going? Hey. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm feeling pretty good. This is pretty cool. The whole podcast setup that we got here, you know, actually live recording together. Seeing humans face to face. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah, right. Good to actually physically see you. I got used to the at-home setup, but I'll say Jim's equipment is a little bit nicer. Much better. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done. <laughs> Dave, I know, I know this year, you know, training obviously always a focus for you. You're the consummate education professional. But uh, I know you've been getting pulled in a few different directions as you know, uh, the sands of technology shift. Today we're talking AR and VR. Some might know what those acronyms mean. Some may not. Just talk to us really briefly about the difference between augmented reality, virtual reality, extended reality. Help us define those and separate them. Yeah, so those are all different acronyms to describe different types of immersive technologies that are out there today. And I think a lot of people have experienced these technologies without even necessarily knowing it. Um, and that's actually a good sign of kind of what's coming in the future. But just to define, AR stands for augmented reality. So that's mm -hmm. when you're actually looking at the world around you, the real world, right, through the lens of a camera, like in your smartphone, and you have one 3D object tethered within that real world environment, right? That's the definition of what augmented reality is. So Pokemon Go is a tremendous example mm -hmm, sure. of augmented reality. If you look at some uh, navigation applications as well, where you see this with Google Glass a couple of years ago, and this is being advertised a lot, the ability to kind of see through a lens like, oh, turn over there, or here's the cafe options available on the street in front of you, places to eat. Uh, places to go, grab a drink, whatever it might be. VR is kind of the opposite in the sense that you as a human being are tethered within a fully 3D rendered environment, right? So that could be your actual hands, uh, just your head kind of moving around within that environment. Maybe you have a controller to manipulate the environment, or you might have a full 3D avatar that could be something that looks like yourself or something that doesn't look like you at all. Uh, but you are immersed within that 3D modeled world, and you're experiencing everything that's around you. Uh, the other term there is XR. That stands for extended reality. And that's somewhat used as a banner term to encapsulate what AR and VR are as more of sort of a parent term as well. But we're seeing a lot of interesting growth within all these spaces. And as it relates to education, right, this is why I care about it, sure. is because we're starting to see these types of applications move out of a pure entertainment or gaming space into a more immersive educational arena. And I think that's very much because of what we've been going through for the past few years. I mean, hey, we're doing this live for the first time in what, right. two and a half yeah, years exactly. or something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. right? I mean, there's so many different ways that people do adapt 
uh, how they're learning. If any of you have kids and saw them on an iPad for a year and a half or whatever, learning with their classmates, you can certainly sympathize that that maybe isn't the best way to learn everything and that there's ways to create more knowledge retention, create more social experiences in a virtual learning environment as well. And I think that's really kind of accelerated everything that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Dave, another term um, that we've heard a lot is, you know, meta, right? Um, the metaverse, all that sort of thing. Um, yep. So uh, it seems like it's more than just like augmented reality and virtual reality. So can you talk on that a little bit? Uh, maybe talk about, you know, the name change from Facebook. That was kind of a big sure. news story. You know, and what, what platform they're kind of building. Yeah. So metaverse is really interesting. And I think a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear metaverse yeah. just because they're so <laughs> averse to anything Facebook does at this point in time. Right. Yeah. Understandable, yeah. to a degree. Um, def- <laughs> to definitely a degree. understandable. Yeah. They don't have the best track record, right? Uh, especially when it comes to people's you know, information and privacy. But mm-hmm. I digress. Uh, metaverse is a term that was actually created in a sci-fi novel called Snow Crash, written by a guy named Neil Stevenson. I think that book came out in like 1991. Don't quote me on right. that. I have read the book, mm. and it was basically the inception of a 3D world where you could go as an avatar and experience interaction with other people. So you could play a game, you could buy stuff, you go to a cafe, eat virtual food. You could do all these sort of um, simulated environment type technologies and experiences. So Facebook rebranding to Meta is their message to all of their users to say the future of social media is going to take place in this 3D immersive environment. And they're just kind of preparing you for that. They're trying to normalize that idea right now. And I think that's a big part of the reason and the marketing behind it. You know, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, they they just concluded, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw tons of advertisements for MetaQuest, Meta itself, Oculus, all these different types of technologies. So we're in peak what they call hype cycle, right? You're seeing a lot of marketing. And then there's also a lot of uh, people who are a little bit more cynical about this whole thing being like, is this really real? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Like, just because... Facebook says that something's real doesn't mean it's actually real. Right. You know, we've been burned by them before. But if you look at the amount of money, time, and investment that you're seeing from not just Facebook slash Meta, but Microsoft as well, and if you look at where they're trying to take the future of something like Microsoft Teams or Zoom as an application being another player in this space, I think it makes a lot of sense to take social media applications and turn them into XR applications. Because when you go to those platforms, you're going there for social interaction. Even if you're just like reading something that somebody wrote eight, right. you know, eight hours ago or whatever, or a video mm-hmm. that they posted you know, 30 minutes ago, you're going there because you want to feel like you're around other people. So why not actually facilitate that in a 3D environment? And I think that's what they're recognizing and they're seeing the market conditions priming themselves for more people to go to this metaverse type space. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the social component there. You know, that's probably why I've played Xbox Live as long as I have, because it mm-hmm. keeps me in touch with my friends and my brother, who I just don't get a chance to interact with and see. And mm-hmm. you mentioned video games earlier and how this technology is moving from video games and really being applied to the business world. I mean, I, I think of it as being like kind of kludgy Nintendo Power Glove. Yeah, it's cool, mm-hmm. but it doesn't do exactly what I want. Uh, and today, it seems like the technology is real if, if it's not totally mature. What are some obvious examples you've seen, Dave, as far as the business application and maybe some less obvious examples? Yeah. So I think a lot of the business applications are 
being kept secret a little bit in some regards, right? Um, I think the most common application that I've seen thus far in a business environment is actually in training, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this. Mm -hmm. So to give you a concrete example, anyone who is a tactile learner, right? Someone who learns by actually putting their hands on stuff and playing around with it is going to see an investment into augmented reality training. So what do I mean by that? You're, you're basically going to be able to put on a headset that's going to feed you information, right? So you mm -hmm. don't have to free up your hands, take your hands off of a machine that you're interacting with and go back to your computer and look up information, click on a mouse. That's kludgy. We're just so used to it, right? Those are mm -hmm. input terminals, keyboards and mice. We're just so used right. to all that stuff. But if you could have all that information recalled through, you know, a pair of Ray-Bans that you're wearing, wouldn't you rather just do that? So you see people in the manufacturing space who maintain machines doing this already today, whether they're learning how to fix a machine for the first time and they're wearing those glasses as instructional to be like, okay, well, make sure that you unscrew this, right? Or make sure that you put this component in here and then you can move on to the next step. Let us know when you're done. Or whether it's you're looking at a whole engine block and right. you're trying to identify, okay, where exactly is the spark plug on this engine? I can't really see it. Okay, I'm going to look up the make and model. Boom, that information is now available right. to me. Right. So that type of tactile learning environment where you're actually interacting with heavy machinery, that's happening today already. But we're also starting to see this being used in other types of training environments where, say, the risk is too high uh, for failure or simulating training real life for whatever this exercise is in the real world is too costly. So you're starting to see other types of environments pull in VR training as well. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, the 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 costs go down, right, because the, you don't have to have an actual engine or whatever expensive thing you might be working on. So that really kind of um, not only, um, you know, obviously gives you another way to learn it, but also can kind of save you quite a bit. So... Uh, so, Dave, we talked about uh, the metaverse. Uh, you know, only 30% of people, uh, they say, have heard of it, or just under 60% of people have heard of it. 30% um, of people had never heard of it, and only 6% of people said they'd be comfortable explaining it to someone else, um, which I would probably not be in that, to be honest with you. And 21% uh, were concerned about future implications. So what is the risk if, you know, the hype from meta outpaces the interest of people, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest risk there is the people who've invested a lot of time, effort, energy, and money will not see a return as quickly as they want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's technology. You know, most technologies, the vast majority of them are opt-in, you know, meaning you have to be a willing user to actually make this thing go forward as a movement, if you want to call it that, right, or um, just a phenomenon. So I always hearken this back to social media because I think social media is so similar to metaverse type applications uh, as well because when social media was first beginning a lot of people were like what's the point of this mm -hmm. you know like i had a myspace account same you know <laughs> i had my top eight friends and i had my irritating song playing when you went to my page and my oh, emo yeah. poetry and all that stuff right <laughs> but a lot of people could look at that and be like this is pointless but what did it do? It, it kind of conditioned me for liking social media. So when I had an opportunity to sign up for Facebook, I did it automatically when I was in right. college, right? Because I was like, oh, this is fun. My friends are on here. These are the, all these embarrassing photos of them. Cool. I like Right, this. yeah. <laughs> you know? Ammo. <laughs> Obviously, it's changed since then, right? I mean, that was you know two decades ago, right? Now, 
if you think about the example of something like LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is a social media platform where people can actually find a job. They can find leads if you're a salesperson. How can you live without LinkedIn at this point, right? I mean, that's where you find your opportunity. So all of a sudden, the social media application has become integral to doing business. And I think that that's right where we're at. We're right at that genesis of where XR technologies become a moneymaker for enterprises and for individuals as well. So that's why I think this is really exciting. So I think to touch on the risk component, there's two risks. One is the one I already detailed about, you know, return on investment being further down the line. But the other one is kind of missing out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that the earlier you get into an adoption cycle with a technology, the more familiar you are with it. And then there's more opportunity for you, right? So I think right now, if I run an IT department or an IT shop, I want to be looking at this stuff today and trying to figure out who the players are and who can help me. Because let's face it, you know, Microsoft. Facebook, and some of the larger uh, you know, consulting firms out there, like a KPMG, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, those are the types of folks that have teams that can build these applications today, but those are not accessible to the vast majority of small business or mid-market customers mm-hmm. out there, whether it's due to price point or they're simply just like, hey, get in line. You know, you're not the only person asking us about XR. Mm-hmm. We'll get to you in 2024. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned social media being opt-in and a lot of technologies being opt-in at the onset. And I remember I opted into Facebook. I signed up for Facebook. I've mm-hmm. since deactivated it. I don't use Facebook anymore. And I find day-to-day in my technology life trying to log into other sites or see other stuff, like it can be an annoyance because it wants you to log in with your Facebook account mm-hmm. right. or your Gmail account. You have to have these account types to view the information behind this wall. So at a certain point, it's not really optional. You just have to have that account type to navigate the internet and get to other stuff, you know, but at the same time, you don't want partners to trip over their own shoelaces and start messaging this stuff to customers before it's really ready for prime time and they're on that runaway hype train. How do partners really strike that balance between messaging this stuff as a, a consultancy service from a Deloitte or a PwC or a KPMG versus making it real for their customers today? Yeah, I think... Like most emerging technology conversations as a channel partner, you kind of want to start out by just knowing where your customer's at in terms of their understanding, right? So you don't overextend yourself, right? Or you don't oversell something. So one of the cool things about the huge marketing push that we've seen behind metaverse technologies is that, that this is already becoming a social conversation in a way that you can have a conversation with somebody about cybersecurity, right? Even if you're not an IT or InfoSec professional, you have an opinion Mm -hmm. about what's going on in cybersecurity. Even if you're not a crypto investor, you have an opinion about what's going on in the crypto community. And now we're starting to see that same thing with XR technologies, even if people don't know what that term is. So I think just having a friendly conversation around like, hey, have you heard about this metaverse stuff? Are you guys exploring anything around virtual reality within your own enterprise? Do you have any ideas? Right? Because... One of the really staggering things about working in virtual reality is that it's a blank canvas. That that can be really difficult for some Mm -hmm. people, right? Like think about when you were in college and you had to write a paper and you're just sitting and looking at that blank screen. You know, sometimes that can be kind of crippling because you can go anywhere. And I think that IT professionals are in the same spot. They need somebody to kind of help them get that first sentence started, so to speak. And then they can kind of take it from there. So I think just having a conversation around what's going on in this marketplace, 
right? Where this could be used or where other people are using it, that's enough today, right? And then if you see some interest within the customer that you're working with about potentially exploring it, just know that TBI has resources for you at this point in time. And this is a huge competitive advantage. I'm not seeing this anywhere else in the space, in the channel, people who are actually this invested in it as TBI is. And to the point that I mentioned earlier about going to a big firm and having to wait till 2024, there's a talent war happening right now. You know, people who can build within Unity or Unreal, which are the 3D engines that power this technology for the most mm -hmm. part, those are game design engines. These people can basically name their price wherever they want to work. Uh, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard this year. It was the largest acquisition they've ever made which is insane. Mm -hmm. This is Microsoft we're talking about. It was for a game studio. They weren't doing that for Call of Duty revenue, right? They right. were doing that because of the people who work there, that they knew that they could handpick whoever they want to go work on building the metaverse within Microsoft Teams. Because Teams will always be an instant messaging platform. It will always be a video conferencing platform, everything that it is today. But then it will also be a fully immersive meeting space for you to meet with people around the world, or load up your unicorn avatar or whatever it is, whoever you want to be in the metaverse, you can be that person, right? But really it all comes down to more collaboration and knowledge retention. I'm going to steal Jim's identity in the metaverse. Whoa. <laughs> what is my identity in the metaverse? <laughs> What's your identity in the real world, man? It's true. <laughs> Just a, a floating head and yeah. voice. But really though, you, like coming up with a topic sentence, helping customers come up with mm -hmm. a topic sentence for how they're going to tackle their meta AR VR strategy is enough today. Mm -hmm. is what I heard from you. Yeah, definitely. And we've learned just through the initial conversations that we've had with partners and their customer base, there's actually a lot of people out there thinking about this already. Like, I, I was actually surprised how many people came to us and already had an idea. I would mm -hmm. love to build an application around augmented reality for X, Y, or Z. And it's so cool to see people have this kind of sophisticated thought process around how they can use this technology because of the challenge that I just mentioned, I think that's really cool. They've already spent time thinking about it, processing it, and trying to figure out how they can help their own customers through these types of technologies. And that's great. I always tell people when they come in with an idea, like, hey, good for you. Yeah. Like, awesome. You're really ahead of the curve. And when you think about some of the generational shifts happening in the workplace today, when you think about what children in school have been going through for the last two to three years, when those kids become adults and enter the workforce, this is going to be an expectation. Mm -hmm. You might as well start now. I think another thing that's held people back is hardware. You know, yeah. they look at an Oculus and they're like, dude, that's like 300 plus dollars. Right. I, I can't really buy enough of those to cover my entire enterprise. That would be crazy. No one's going to authorize that. I need to spend that money on laptops, et cetera, other different types of endpoints. But the cost of that technology is coming down. And I think that as it comes down, like any technology, you're going to see more adoption, which is really exciting because now you're starting to see different entry points. You know, you can have that high-end system, you know, an HTC Vive or an Oculus, mm -hmm. but you can also have things that can repurpose your own smartphone, really simple Bluetooth controllers, and it all depends on the use case of what you're trying to build. Like, I wouldn't do a surgical training <laughs> with a smartphone, you know, lo top loader headset and a Bluetooth controller that has some buttons on it. I would want like a haptic feedback glove that could detect micro gestures, you know, a 3D printed surgical instrument that had feedback and everything kind of pulling back into the system um, because obviously you want to simulate it as much as you can in the real life. So 
I guess the message there to the partners out listening is you can build this in different flavors and it's all about the educational objective that someone's trying to achieve or the experience that someone's trying to achieve. Because as much as I love education and learning, there is a very real marketing and sales application for everything that we're talking about today as well. And to just hit that angle up really quick, like what is, what is our interest in it? Right? Like, meaning what do we have today that we can make available to partners? As, okay, so yeah, TBI partners can leverage a brand that's being built today called SimuSim. And SimuSim is a- Come on, say that again. SimuSim. <laughs> there we go, finally. <laughs> so yeah, SimuSim can do everything, right? And what I mean by that is SimuSim has a group of 3D rendering artists who can build an environment out of scratch, whether that's- augmented reality or virtual reality, right? So that can be built. So that's actually the largest hurdle we've solved for you. And then in addition to that, hardware. You know, you can actually go into a portal online and just order whatever types of hardware you want. It can get custom branded to the organization of your customer, and you can ship that out however much is needed. Obviously, we can talk you through this, you know, help you understand what the best type of controller would be given your objectives or the best type of headset given your requirements, whatever it might be. And then some of the other components that we can fold in are because TBI has an education staff, right? We can do train the trainer. You know, if you want to learn something specifically and you don't have educational resources, we can help build that for you. You can train us, then we can put the training together. And then the last component I would say is 360 video environments, right? So Mm -hmm. If you want to create a more immersive video space to assist with these trainings or these types of experiences that you're building, we have a video studio. We have the equipment in order to film 360 effectively and create the right types of outcomes. That's a really unique value proposition that I don't think partners are going to be able to find anywhere Mm -hmm. else, especially right now in the world that we're in today. And it's all right there. That's what I was going to say. I really like that we've taken it from like theoretical and like, hey, this is the buzz to the practical. And, you know, this is how you start. And this is actually how we monetize some of this stuff. And this is what you can take to your customer today. Right. Yeah. And I think um, the excitement that I've seen from customers, just knowing that they have an option and that that option isn't this massive corporation that kind of like walks in, drops headsets on the desk and Mm -hmm. is like, call us in a week when you got it figured out, right? We're actually going to be able to walk you through a build and the options once you have those ideas around what is actually going to be most effective is sort of a crawl, walk, run strategy, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is a new technology. We don't want people to just jump off a cliff, right? We want them to feel secure in what they're building. And that means that there's just generally a right way to do it, which is we have to build organizational buy-in before we can go out and, you know, sell you guys a Mercedes, you know, right? We we have to just get you interested in the idea of a car. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, as Dave said, you know, TBI is really leading the way, um, especially in the channel with this sort of technology. So if you're a partner and you are interested, he's definitely someone to reach out to. Dave, uh, so thank you to Dave Landsberger. Our special guest for joining us. Ooh, I gotta use that horn a lot more. Uh, and explaining all this stuff to us, we really appreciate it. Um, for any questions for training, since we're all in the training department, you can reach out to training at tbicom.com. And otherwise, we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys.